Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Hi, I'm CJ Cousins, and welcome again to the Shout series. This is installment number three, part three. And if you've been watching this from part one and two, then you've been taking a journey with us. And I want to thank you for taking this journey with us. And I hope that you've been brought closer to God and that you are encouraged right now. Uh, today, we're going to now dive in to part number three. And I am so excited about what we have been discovering and what we will now discover uh, as we dive again into Revelation chapter 14. This is encouraging us to study the Bible more and to get to know God as he's revealed in Christ even more. What we've discovered is that in Revelation 14, a message, a shout is rising out of the bad news in our world right now. It is speaking right now to our world. And this shout is proclaiming a message of good news, eternal good news, the good news that's been the unfolding story and message of the entire Bible. And it's now coming to a climax in the end of time, in the time that you and I are living in right now. And the first part of this message, because it's unfold in a threefold measure, characterized by God's people who are depicted as angels. And the message is this, good news, the king has won. So worship him without fear of judgment. And then as we discovered earlier today in part two, yes, good news, the king, he has won. He's defeated the enemy's system, that system of Babylon. So come out, come out of this way of being in the world, come out of this world system, live differently, live in the way of the kingdom of God now in Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it may require us to maybe physically move a location as we get closer to the soon return of Jesus Christ. And this leads us now into the next third installment of this fully unpacking of this good news of the gospel. Because this message is a message of the kingdom. In the Bible, as we've talked about, the message of the good news was the good news of a reigning king who has defeated an enemy system or nation or government that was threatening his people under his reign. And the whole story of the Bible is the unfolding of the reign of God being reestablished on the earth through Jesus Christ. And so there is a counter system to the kingdom of God. And it is this system of Babylon, right? This incorporates, as we've been talking about, this system coming from Western Europe, this Western version, this Western European version of Christianity that has shaped a lot of what Christianity looks like around the world under that papal system, right? That 1260 year period. And then we talked about the United States, right? And that's the lamb-like beast. And this system now is a part of this global influence that the enemy is trying to build this earth up to that's going to try to coerce, demand worship from us. 
And this counter system is about to, according to Daniel chapter 2, verse 40, 40, 40 to 45, is about to be crushed at the soon coming of the return of Christ. His system, his kingdom, Jesus's kingdom is about to crush and and totally conquer all the systems and all the nations of the earth. And he's going to set up his eternal kingdom. But his kingdom was started as a result of his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And those of us that have received this good news are part of his kingdom now. And so this message of the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, is still unfolding as we speak. And so therefore, it is bucking up against this counter system that is also trying to pose as Christian. And so there comes now a message as a continuation of the eternal good news. And here's the nuance. Watch this. It's in Revelation chapter 14, beginning in verse number nine. The Bible says this. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, anyone who worships the beast in his statue or image, in your translation, it might say, or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink of the wine of the wrath of God, the anger of God. It has been poured full strength, or your translation might say, without mixture, into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb, Jesus Christ himself, the King. The smoke of their torment, notice it says the smoke, the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have, worship, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue or image, and have accepted the mark of his name. Whoa, CJ, that's some strong language. Again, CJ, I thought we were talking about good news. We are talking about good news. So you got to understand, if you have been oppressed, if you have been persecuted, if you have been hurt or violated by any kind of a system, then you know that a message of judgment against the oppressor is good news for you. If your child has been kidnapped and then has been rescued by the authorities, and now judgment is pending for the perpetrator, then that judgment message for that perpetrator, he's going to probably go to court or she's going to go to court, may get sentenced, may go to jail. Who knows what kind of sentence they're going to get? That's good news for you because you have your child back. It's a rescue thing. See, the good news of the gospel has two sides to it. There's a coin, if you will, and on one side is salvation, on the other side is judgment. God is saving you from something that's going to receive judgment. And so the message is coming to Satan and those that have sided with his system, the system of Babylon, the system of the beast that has an image. Your time is up. And those that are trusting in Jesus, those that have received the message that they're going to be set free, those that have that received the message that they are set free in Jesus Christ, those that have received the message that oppression is going to be over, that their persecution is about to be over, all of that is wrapped up in this good news. And they're receiving this as good news because the warning message, the warning is for those that have not yet received the good news and you're siding or maybe you're tempted to side or receive this image or it's marked. Watch out, God is saying, because if you receive the image of this beast, the number of his name, the mark of his name, if you receive loyalty, if you give loyalty to that system, then judgment is coming. Because I'm freeing my people 
from that system. I'm freeing them from an oppressive system. This is a message of good news, but you got to understand that God warns those that he loves. Love demands just judgment. It is a God of love that is warning the earth at this moment. He's saying, I love you. I've done everything to redeem you. I've received your judgment in Christ already. And if you receive Jesus, you receive salvation and freedom and grace and a life worth living in the kingdom now and for eternity. But if you reject this love, this grace, this good news, I'm warning you. In the midst of the bad news, a shout is rising. Good news. The king is bringing just judgment on the enemy's system. So don't worship its image. This is the good news. The good news is, look, the king is one. He's defeated this system. He's bringing judgment against this system. That's oppressing. That's, that's hurting you. That is, that is persecuting you because that's what's happening right now, ultimately right up until the time of Christ's return, those true followers of Jesus, right? And so therefore, God is saying, look, don't worship this image. Remember, in Revelation 13, as we talked about our previous series, America, how did we get here? The idea is that the enemy in the end of time is sending out a message to the world using the United States of America. He's saying, worship him through this system and its image. And God is warning you, look, don't fall for the deception. Worship your creator. Worship your redeemer, the one who gave his life for you. Look, if you're a parent, you understand what this looks like. You warn your children. You say, don't hang out with that person. If you hang out with that person, then the way that that person is, and I've been watching them, I've seen their character. If you start mimicking their character, then I know where this is going. And it could end up really bad for you. I'm warning you because I love you. The gospel is saying, receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Enter into his kingdom of grace right now through a life, living in the, in, the, in the kingdom life, God's reign of love. Receive this good news, but if you don't, if you pull the life support, if you, if you reject my love and my grace, then the only other option is to receive that which is the opposite of life, and that's death. That's separation from God, that's judgment. And so God is warning the world because he loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life in his eternal kingdom. And so this message, this third angel's message, is a loving message of warning. Please receive the good news. Because if you receive this image of this false Christian system and government system that's influencing the world to worship it, to give allegiance to it, you're going to receive its fate. Understand that worshiping the beast, that land beast, excuse me, that sea beast rather, flowing out of Western Europe, you've got to understand that that means to give one's life allegiance to that system. See, we got we to gotta broaden our understanding of what it means to worship. When we think of worship, we often think of a time and a place on the weekend. We, we think of forms in that worship service of liturgy, and we think of songs, and we think of um, uh, prayers and, and, and messages spoken, and we think of that as what, what, it, what, it, what encompasses worship, and then we kind of, after we leave that service, sometimes we just live a life con contrary to what we just did. And God is saying, no, worship in the Bible involves that, but it's much more than that, so much more than that. 
Worship in the Bible is your life. Your life is lived to show who you give your allegiance to, who you give loyalty to, who you love supremely, who you value more and above any and everything else. And so when the beast system, when Babylon is saying, worship me, it's saying, I need you to give your allegiance to me. I need you to give your loyalty to me rather than give it to Christ and his kingdom. But understand this system, remember, flowing out of the history, the 1260-year history of Western Europe, papal Christianity, this form of Christianity, highly politicized, that merged government, those 10 primary governments and kingdoms of Western Europe with Christianity, papal Christianity. And this is the system that shaped a lot of what Western civilization looks like and what the world looks like and how it views Christianity even to this day. And it's merged now, it's joined forces in this time and it's developing even today as we speak. It is joining forces with the same type of imagery of, in the United States, a form of Protestant or evangelical Christianity that is highly politicized, heavily influencing government. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He is now calling you, this, de- this is developing into a system, a global system prophecy is saying, Jesus who loves your soul is saying, and it is, a, it is misrepresenting Jesus Christ to the world and giving it a false picture of God, and it's calling for your worship. The enemy's not going to just jump out and go blah and say, worship me with horns and all that kind of stuff. No, he works through systems, not individuals, systems. Understand, flowing out of this system that we've been talking about has been oppression, religious oppression, racial oppression. Look, systemic injustice is flowing out of this system. They go hand in hand. White supremacy is a part of this system, goes hand in hand. It's self-exaltation at the expense of others. This is what the image of the beast is about, and this is what God is warning you against. Understand the image of this beast system really is a, 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 a architect, it's a, it's a caricature. It, it, it represents the image or the character of Satan, and that is self-exaltation at the expense of others. In contrast to the image of Christ, which is other-centered, self-sacrificing, and giving love. Two systems, two images, two calls. And to those that receive one of these images, and embrace one of these systems or kingdoms, they receive something, either a mark or a sign. And so there's a genuine and there's a counterfeit, right? The, 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 the mark in the forehead that, 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 the forehead that this uh, chapter here is talking about, the mark in the forehead, don't think of like, you know, we, we, we often think of chips, right? There's movies and even Christian films that sensationalize a lot of this stuff. Look, the Bible is very clear that when it talks about receiving, for instance, a mark, in the forehead, it's talking about that which you receive into your mind. This is imagery from the Old Testament, particularly in Deuteronomy, talking about God's word received into the heart and into the mind, right? Into the front lobes of your mind. It's, it's, it's a character description. You're receiving a mark, a character in your mind, right? And then the expression of it being um, on your hand is talking about your actions, Right? So this is character, right? Character is formed by what you see, received into you by your senses, what you see, that, 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 that impacts your thinking, your mind, 
shapes your mind and your thoughts, and then this affects your feelings, and this flows out into your actions, which forms and solidifies your character, which shapes your destiny. And so what, 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 what this is saying is, is people that receive the image of the beast are receiving the character of Satan, which is self-exaltation at the expense of others. He, he, Satan wants his character to be imprinted on your mind. But then there are going to be those that um, simply comply with this coercion to ultimately worship, to, to give a full life allegiance to this system, this system flowing out of the history of Western Europe. It's going to want people to, it doesn't matter if you genuinely love the system or not. It's not actually revealing love at all. And it wants you, even if you just simply comply. So this is the, 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 the mark on the hand. You, you receive loyal, you give your loyalty to the system, and maybe not from a place of your heart being loyal to it. You may be an atheist, and this is being done in the name of God, in the name of Christ. And so you just comply. That's revealing a character. It's the character of Satan. The character of Satan is force, to coerce, to, to pressure you, to force you into giving your life allegiance to him and it through this system, to obey its commands, its counterfeit commands to the genuine commands of love by God through Jesus Christ. Understand, if you're going to understand the image of the beast and the mark and number of his name, then you need to understand the counterpart to that. You need to understand the genuine. You need to understand that when you receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, you receive the seal of God. Revelation 7 refers to the sealing of those that truly trust in Jesus Messiah. The seal of God is that which you receive through the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who seals you, settles you in to the love of God manifested in Christ. Romans 5, 5 says that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in your hearts. In the Old Testament by the prophets, Ezekiel and others, Isaiah, they talk about God, his dream has always been through covenant relationship with you to write his law of love on your heart. Not as a means of salvation, as a result of believing in salvation through Jesus Christ. And so you receive this sealing as a progressive kind of, through, through growing in Christ and sanctification, you're growing in love. And so therefore you're settling into the good news of the gospel. You're settling into the image of Christ through the power and working of the Holy Spirit. How is this manifested? You become a person who increasingly loves others, your neighbor as yourself. You obey, ultimately, watch this, the commands of Christ. Matthew chapter 22, 36 to 40, Jesus describes the entire compass of Scripture, which embraces particularly the commands or the Ten Commandments of God, which basically is sharing the principle of love to God and love to neighbor as yourself. That's what this whole story is about. It's what the commandments are revealing. It's the character of God revealed in Christ and Him crucified. It's other-centered love. That's the kingdom. And so therefore, those that receive, receive the seal of God become more selfless. They're other-centered. They're more like Jesus. They have the image of Christ. This is manifested in obedience to his commandments. Again, not as a means of salvation through some kind of legalistic means, please. No, this is all by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's moving you, he's forming you into the image of Christ. And as you grow up into Christ, you obey his commandments. John 14, 15, if you love me, Jesus says, you'll keep my commandments. It's the outflow of grace. And so therefore, to understand the mark of this beast system, then you need to understand the seal of God. 
The devil is seeking to counterfeit, to usurp the rule, the worship and reign of God on the earth. And when you rule and reign as a king, you have commandments, you have laws. Jesus has his and the devil counterfeits Christ's. So therefore, the devil's attack is against being loyal to Christ, obeying his commands, especially the Ten Commandments. This is what's being captured for us. We saw it in Revelation chapter 14 earlier, verse 7, the reference to the Sabbath commandment. We see it again, as we're about to look at in a second, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. The faithful followers of Jesus are obedient to the commandments of God. And so the devil is seeking to counterfeit those commandments, usurp God's commands, replace his commandments. That's why the system is anti-Christ. Not just that it's opposed to Christ, it's trying to be in place of Christ. It's trying to counterfeit Christ, okay? God has a seal, the enemy has a mark. You see, to understand the mark, you've got to understand what the seal is. So now that we understand that that is dealing with loyal love to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, obedience to his commandments, then we understand now what the mark of this system is. Understand this system is flowing out of the history of Western Europe under papal Christianity. And now, through the history of the United States and its development, Apostate Protestant Christianity or Evangelical Christianity that's highly politicized. This system, the enemy is going to progress to ultimately seek the allegiance of the world impersonating Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so the idea here is, is that it has its own command. As a matter of fact, according to Daniel chapter 7, this system has sought to change times and laws. When you understand, some scholars believe the language there in the original language of Hebrew, he sought to change change laws dealing with time. This is clearly revealed in the history of the papal system's rule and reign over Christianity. And this literally was done when they, you know, they removed the command that referred to not worshiping images because there was image things going on there in the church during this 1260 year period, 538 to 1798. And then also, They changed the Sabbath commandment from Saturday to Sunday. It was a progressive thing, but ultimately happened and became a part of the Roman papal system that ruled and reigned over Christianity, which many Protestant Christians still embrace today. Okay? This is not to say that those that currently right now love Jesus and are worshiping on Sunday and even trying to observe it as a Sabbath It's not to condemn them. Those that are in Christ are not condemned. But please understand that this is where this is developing. This is where it's going. God is seeking to restore his bride. He's seeking to restore his kingdom movement and the teachings that it's seeking to obey and be faithful to and and to communicate to the world. One of those things is the Seventh-day Sabbath as a part of being faithful to his commands. And so here's what this system, during this time of papal rule over, Christ, over Christianity during the Middle Ages, Dark Ages, commenting on this mark of this system. We get this quote coming from Faith of Our Fathers, page, chapter, page 14, rather, coming from C.F. Thomas, Chancellor of the Cardinal Gibbons. Here's what it says. This system says about its mark of authority. It says, of course, the Catholic Church claims that the change from Sabbath to Sunday was her act. And the act is the mark of her 
ecclesiastical power and authority. In other words, her authority as a church. And understand, this is a church and state system that developed during the Middle Ages. And power and authority in religious matters. Understand that this system is actually itself claiming its mark of authority was demonstrated in its changing laws regarding time, particularly the Seventh-day Sabbath command, changing the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Now, we understand biblically you cannot change God's laws. God's law reveals his character of love, and his character of love is forever, will not change. Thank you, Jesus. But the attempt was made in the minds of men to change Sabbath to Sunday. Understand that this is a part of this system. We're talking about systems on individuals. There are many faithful followers of Jesus that worship on Sunday, will be in heaven. Hallelujah. I know many of them today. But understand that what's behind this, that this is developing and it's going somewhere. And Revelation chapter 13 and 14 is unfolding it, revealing to us where it's going. That doesn't mean that people right now that worship on Sunday as Sabbath are embracing the beast. No, not right now. But according to Revelation 13, the day will come when a push from apostate Protestant evangelical America influencing government will push this as a law in order to bring the nation back to God. That we worship on Sunday as opposed to the biblical Sabbath, which is Saturday. And at that time, the book of Revelation is teaching us at that time, in violation of the command of Jesus Christ and in violation of the command uh, and the, uh, rather, the Constitution of the United States of America, which gives us freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, at that time, it will constitute the mark of this system's authority, the mark of the beast. But understand what is behind it. Because if we don't understand what's behind it, we'll have a complete misunderstanding of where this is all going. It's about receiving a mark as a result of you having received the image of the beast in your thoughts and in your actions, even if it's just to comply. It's the character of Satan. You could be forming the character of Satan and the beast right now by being selfish, by being oppressive, by being racist, by lying by doing anything that's outside of the character of God's love revealed in Jesus Christ. The good news is Jesus says this system is going to receive just judgment. Understand that God is love, which means that God is slow to anger. God doesn't want anybody to receive his, his judgment, his wrath. And by the way, his wrath is not talking about God just losing it and being arbitrary. No, God wants everybody to be saved. He's working on every heart to reveal his love revealed in Christ. But ultimately, when the heart passes a certain place where it hardens its heart against the love of God revealed in Christ, the grace of God, there's nothing more that God can do to redeem that person. They will not receive his forgiveness. And by virtue of that, they're causing harm to others. They're revealing self-exaltation at the expense of others. They're being oppressive. They're being racist. They're being like Satan in this world. And God has to stop the madness. He has to bring suffering to an end. He has to bring systemic racism and oppression. He has to bring religious intolerance and oppression to an end. He's got to bring evil to an end. God's love demands justice and therefore the wrath of God. Ultimately, hell is what he's warning about here. It's not a present reality, but will be a future reality. Revelation chapter 20. 
Hell is not someplace happening right now under the earth. Everyone that has died is right now resting. This is a biblical teaching that we can talk about if you want to get in contact with me. Everyone has died and will go to, will, will, will resurrect unto life. First resurrection, the second coming of Jesus. And then the second resurrection at the end of the 1,000 year period or millennium. At that time, the second death will take place, Revelation chapter 20. And it's at that time, this destruction that's talked about, leading up to the new earth is going to take place. But understand, it does not happen forever. The language there is, is ancient, poetic, prophetic language that the Hebrews were very familiar with. The smoke ascending forever means that the destruction is complete. It doesn't mean that it's going to literally last forever. This is the same language that was used to describe the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Sodom and Gomorrah, if you go down there by the Dead Sea, it's not there burning right now. You're not, gonna, you're not seeing people continually burning. That would make God more like the devil than a God of love. God does not burn people forever and ever and ever. What is forever is his love. What is forever is his eternal kingdom reign of love that he's inviting you into through Jesus Christ. He wants nobody to experience this. The second death will be temporary because it's going to give way to the new earth where heaven will relocate to earth and God will be with man forever and ever for the ceaseless ages of eternity. Here's the good news. Ha! Receive the gospel of the kingdom and receive, therefore, as a result, the image of Christ with the power and working of the Holy Spirit. We need the seal of God. Because those are those that belong to Jesus that will be protected at this time. Michael, Jesus will stand up. And we need to understand that we need to reject a false picture of Christianity, of evangelicalism, a false picture of Protestantism that is influencing government to try and through law bring people to God. That's not how God is working through his kingdom in these last days. No, we need Jesus Christ. Understand that this comes, this receiving of the image of Christ, the seal is coming as a result of receiving the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Because understand that in the midst of the bad news, a shout is rising. Good news. The king has won. So worship him without fear of his judgment. Good news. He has defeated the enemy's system, so come out of it. And good news. He is bringing just judgment on the enemy's system. So please do not worship its image. This is the shout rising from the faithful followers of Jesus Christ to our hearts and our minds, rising from God himself through his people. He wants you to receive Jesus as Savior, as King, as Lord. Enter into his kingdom of grace now. Eternal life salvation begins right now and continues and fully manifests at the consummation of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here is the resistant movement of our world right now. The resistance movement is captured for us in Revelation 14, verse 12. The Bible says this. This is the people that are resisting this enemy system. This means that God's holy people, the followers of Jesus Christ, must endure persecution patiently. Your translation may say, here's the patience of the saints. Those that endure, they obey his commands. They keep his commandments. 
and maintain their faith in Jesus. And really what that's saying is they have the faith of Jesus. They trust in Jesus' faithfulness. In other words, they've received the good news of the gospel. They know Jesus Christ. They have the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. They're living it out. How how is it being lived out? Through the indwelling Holy Spirit, the shaping them into the image of Jesus Christ, not as a means of salvation, as the fruit, as the result of salvation. They're increasingly being obedient to the commands of God. And yes, that involves the Ten Commandments. Because in Christ, the Ten Commandments were not done away with. Yes, the ceremonial, sacrificial commands and laws were done away with, but the commands of God, all ten, including the Seventh-day Sabbath, are eternal. Because the love of God, which is revealed in them, are eternal. Love to God, love to man. This is the kingdom. And those that have received their King, their Savior King, are increasingly loyal by the power of the Spirit to His commands as opposed to the commands of this enemy system, this Babylonian end-time Babylon system, this beast system that wants to force worship. God does not force worship. He woos us. He allures us. It's love that awakens love. And this is the message. This is the good news that God is shouting to you, drawing you to himself. And he's saying, join my resistance movement. Join the kingdom Enter into the reign of my love and grace right now. You can do that by receiving the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This threefold message is really one message. It is the gospel of the kingdom. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, 13 and 14, the good news of the kingdom. This thing that I've been unpacking for you in this threefold message is what's going out to the world leading up to the soon second coming of Jesus Christ. And this message, those that receive it, that receive Jesus, their Savior King, are sealed through the power of the Spirit. And they resist the ways of this system that exalts self at the expense of others. And they reveal the most beautiful picture of God's love to the world, to draw everyone from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people into the kingdom movement before Jesus returns. And then He's going to take us to be with Him forever. And God will be suffering evil and oppression forever. You can have this assurance right now. I just want to invite you right now just to pray with me to receive this eternal good news and let it overshadow the bad. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for these my friends that have joined today, that have been with me on this journey through Revelation 13 and now this three-part message of Revelation 14. You're coming back soon, Revelation 14 lets us know. You're coming back to separate the righteous from the wicked, those that have trusted in your grace, those that have received this eternal good news, and you're gonna reap a, a rich, huge harvest of people. And I'm praying it's, it's one of those right now that are listening and, and hopefully responding to this message right now. They don't wanna be a part of that other harvest of the wicked that you're going to burn, that, that's gonna be temporarily removed to give way to your eternal kingdom on this earth because you want to remove the cancer of sin, suffering, and evil. You want the madness to end. And so I thank you for the good news. You get no pleasure from the destruction of the wicked. You want everyone to turn right now and receive Jesus as Savior because you've already paid the penalty, the price for our sins through Christ. I pray for my friend right now to respond to this good news and receive life in your kingdom as a reality right now. And that that reality will be their main 
focus and lens to view everything else that's happening, to drown out even the bad news, even though we need to be aware. But the reality in our minds is the good news that shapes everything else in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, oh, we thank you. We shout hallelujah. And we thank you for this good news of the kingdom that you offer us. And I thank you for those that are responding even right now. And I shout and I thank you, God, for what's going to happen as a result of this prayer. It's my prayer. And I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. I'm CJ Cousins. Why don't you join this movement and shout the good news rising in the midst of the bad news. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.